Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. It's another travel day for me, so we're going to get the show done. We'll go around 90 minutes or so. Headed down to Baton Rouge tonight, see our buddies in four-way stop play at the Revelry. If you're in town for the ball game and looking for something to do, come out and meet with us at the Revelry as we watch four-way stop play. Of course, they'll be... One of the bands on the bill at Rock Vegas. I want to thank our friends at the Starkville Daily News for a front-page story about Rock Vegas yesterday. They interviewed myself and Stevie Blaze. Very nice. Appreciate their support. Tickets are still on sale, and uh, there is a, a kind of a movement behind the scenes. I've, uh, there are some people that have been talking about buying some tickets this weekend. They're kind of making the move. So, uh, again, if you're looking to buy tickets, now's the time to do it. We're, we're over 50% capacity. We're coming up on 75% capacity. So uh, we do expect to run here late. It's two weeks from tonight. 
when we'll gather together at Hobie's on Main at September 30th. Doors at 6, show at 7. Be a great time. Two up-and-coming Mississippi rock bands, Four Way Stop and Twist, will be on the bill with Lily and Axe. You guys know Lily and Axe, a very important band to those of us in the rock scene in Mississippi years ago. Released their 10th studio album here about six weeks ago, I guess. If you hadn't picked it up, I encourage you to do so. Download it wherever. If you want the physical copy, my name is actually in the liner notes. may not be a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me. So I had the physical copy. I also have uh, Psalms for Eternity, which was a compilation album they released recently as well. So uh, there aren't many Lillian Axe albums out there I don't own a physical copy of. There'll be plenty of merch and CDs for sale at the event. Of course, we're doing all this to raise money for the Bulldog Initiative, which uh, is you know, working to provide NIL opportunities for Mississippi State student-athletes. This is the first really like big fundraising event uh, for the initiative. I am a Charlie Winfield fan. He is a, a fine gentleman and a fine bulldog. And I respect that the fact that he just woke up one day and says, you know what? I can help and here is what I can do. And he has really taken the leadership role here. Uh, the Bulldog Initiative, of course, um, you know, just, just something that was needed. We read about these things all the time and there's a lot of hot takes. A lot of people are like, oh, we're so far behind in NIL. We're so, we're, we don't have this. We don't have that. And we worry so much about all of that. And then we never really ask ourselves, well, what can I do? Well, Charlie did what he could do and continues to do what he can do. And, and I was kind of inspired to get involved. And so my hope is that you will be inspired by our efforts and make some efforts of your own. Buying tickets is a very small thing. Tickets are 40 bucks. Buy a couple tickets. If you don't want to come to the show, email the tickets to me. I'll give them away to a Mississippi State student. And we'll, and we'll do it randomly. We'll do it like the week of the show. We'll do it um, on Twitter. We'll just give tickets away uh, to make sure that we get uh, people into the venue. So I, I share that too, whether it's, it's whether you're a rock fan or not. If you're a Mississippi State fan, you can contribute to this because every dollar goes directly to the Bulldog Initiative, which in turn goes to NIL deals for your student-athletes. And so, again, my little pitch there. we got a big show set up, man. It's going to be a great time. Still kind of fine-tuning things. You know, as we get down to the end, stuff's coming in. I went and picked up shirts yesterday. Very appreciative for those shirts, event shirts. We got our VIP passes. We got our attendance bracelets. Got a lot of equipment coming in, that sort of stuff. It's going to be a big deal. Anytime that I put my name on something, I want it to be of, of, of quality, so I've, uh, I've probably stressed myself about this maybe perhaps more than I should. And everybody else is like, hey, it's all going to be okay. I, I just don't trust that. I don't ever trust that things are going to just be okay. I think you make them okay. You put forth the effort and you put the planning into it and you put the follow-through. You follow up with people to ensure that things are okay rather than just kind of hoping for the best. You work for the best. At least that's my attitude. So uh, Lily and Axe coming to Starkville for the very first time. Pretty cool thing. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I love them more than a friend. I love them. And, and the, the reason that I love them is they're so faithful to me. I go in there and get exactly what I want, what I pay for, and then some. Those portions, absolutely fantastic. A lot of people are giving you less and charging you more, working in some hidden fee, some convenience fee. Not them. 
still giving you the great portions and even better product than ever at the same price. There's some integrity in what they do, and that makes me love them that much more. Go by and see them today. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, that new patio area is fantastic. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go by and check them out. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. It'll make you and everybody around you better looking. In addition to that, you can have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. One of the fine delicacies in life. Treat yourself today to the fine cuisine available at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, I'll be leaving this afternoon, heading down to Baton Rouge, of course, in advance of, uh, of covering the ball game. You know, I told you see four-way stop, but I want to get down there, kind of spend the day down there. It is an evening kick, which should allow us to get back you know, tomorrow night with the wee hours of Sunday morning. I'd prefer that. I've made that drive from Baton Rouge to Starkville so many times I can pretty much do it uh, blindfolded, but um, not that I'm going to try that. But it's a big game for Mississippi State. Before we get into the SEC weekend, there are a couple things I want to say about this LSU-Mississippi State game. You know, we, we, we previewed the Tigers extensively on Wednesday's show. But let me say this. We are the better football team. Now, we may not go out there and play like the better football team, but we are the better football team. You know, I asked Zach Garnett earlier this week, you know, about playing the team rather than the logo. And he goes, you know, I think you guys make a little too much of that sometimes. And you know what? Maybe he's right. But I have read extensively this week you know, about all these folks that are like, uh, they're kind of resting their own insecurities on the shoulders of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They're like, well, you know, we never play well down there. I'm guilty of that sometimes too. You know, we've taken some really good teams to Baton Rouge to come home with a loss. We've had some better Mississippi State teams lose to some lesser LSU teams. But that's got nothing to do with this year. Absolutely nothing to do with this year. And say, well, you know, Steve, there are trends. It's not the stock market. We're going to line up 11. They're going to line up 11. We're going to see who's better. And on paper and on film thus far, Mississippi State is better. Now, we've got to eliminate these turnovers. It's like you begin to think about the fact that uh, a lot of these points that we've allowed defensively come off turnovers, come on a short field. Been a handful of times we've turned the ball over. Next thing you know, defense has got to go out there with the goalpost over their heads. And you begin to think about we had three turnovers against Arizona. We won the game going away. You had a couple turnovers against Memphis. Won the game going away. What if we can just protect the football? Would that make you feel better about life? Feel better about your football program? Better about our prospects of winning? Your dog all right it would. And you begin to think you know, there have been some times that we've had, uh, you know, a lack of rhythm offensively in the third quarter. It's like we, we, we score on that first drive of the third quarter. We could put the ball in the end zone, then we kind of relax a little bit. What if we didn't? And we're probably going to need to keep kind of hammering this thing home because that fourth quarter, weird things happen in Baton Rouge. They just do. But we're the better team. So it's okay to expect more. It's okay to expect to win. It's like sometimes I know, and I've got some friends like this, i got some friends in the media like this, I'm not going to name any names, and I'm not going to make anybody feel bad. And I don't want you tweeting them. 
But it's like we get all caught up in all this stuff and we begin to think, okay, well, let me lay the groundwork so I win either way. Because if I come out and I say Mississippi State has no chance or Mississippi State this or Mississippi State's just not good enough, well, then I can claim victory there. Because I can come back and say, see, I told you so. And then if we win, they're happy then too. So it's like I just look at life a little bit differently. I don't need to kind of you know, spread my money around or hedge my bets when it comes to Mississippi State. I'm all in. I expect to win the football game. And again, Mississippi State is the better team. When you look at how these two teams have played through two weeks, why would you pick LSU? Well, we lost there. When? Oh, we lost there in 2018. You know, we should have won. We had any semblance of offense, we'd have won that game. We didn't. And it wasn't them, it was us. Because our defense played lights out that day. Gave up a handful of field goals. We lost the game. So we go down there in 18 and we were able to match up athlete to athlete. We had some schematic problems offensively that plagued us the entire year. It wasn't that LSU went out and out-executed us. We just had trouble scoring points the entire year. We went down and beat them in 2020. You know, and so it's like we're just kind of sitting back saying, well, we should expect to lose because, you know, we played there 70 times and more times than not come home with a loss. And there have been some times that LSU has been a much better team than Mississippi State. This is not one of those years. That's not to say LSU can't beat us. We go out there and don't play clean. We get behind the chains. We turn the football over. We play sloppy. We're going to lose. But what if we go out there and play a clean game? What if we go out there and string together four good quarters? What then? There's just some people out there. It's like we want to be a fence sitter when it comes to Mike Leach and Mississippi State football. We want to just kind of sit out there because it's safe, I guess. It's like our ego gets involved. We don't want to have to listen to it from our friends on, in our text group or on social media. So, it, like, rather than come out and just show some exuberance for the team, well, I just don't know, you know. Guys, Mississippi State should win the game. If we don't win the game, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm disappointed any time we lose. But this is a game that maybe a month ago I thought we'd lose. A month ago, I thought, you know what? We can't go down there to LSU and win the game. And then I started thinking about it. You know, we went down there and we beat Texas A&M at their place in front of 88,000 people. That was a pretty raucous environment. Nothing's quite like Tiger Stadium. We went down and handled that. We went to Auburn, got down 28-3, to in front of a near sellout crowd, and we came back and won that game. Only a handful of people there cheering for Mississippi State. A lot of them left early. So it's not like this team doesn't have some moxie and some mental toughness. And if you listen to the LSU media, and I've been on uh, Baton Rouge and Louisiana radio a lot this week, I haven't found anybody yet that expects LSU to win because of their problems in the secondary, their problems at linebacker, their problems running the football, their problems on the offensive line. 
Yeah, they've got some impressive offensive skill, but they have not come together as a cohesive unit yet. I'm glad we're getting them early. I do think they'll figure some things out, and I think they'll be a more difficult team to beat. So I just share that with you all because I think I, I, I get I, – I don't want to ever get used to that. That it's like we always want to forecast failure. And it's not because Mississippi State has done anything. It's not that your team isn't putting forth the best effort. It's just like it's a coping mechanism. It's like a self-defense thing with some of our fans. It's okay to believe. Life is difficult enough as it is without putting, you know, some enjoyment in life. I enjoy watching Mississippi State play win or lose. I enjoy it a whole lot more when we win. I'm not happy unless I'm running my mouth. But before we even get to the picks, I expect Mississippi State to win. And I don't believe that I can will them to a win, right? Because if it was always up to me, State would have multiple national championships in multiple sports, be the most dominant athletic program in the country. That's not the reality. But I think it's important to understand that this forecast of failure is not being mimicked by the people that actually cover LSU. Now, wouldn't you say they're a little more acutely aware of what's going on in Baton Rouge than we are? It's like, oh, well, I remember this. Well, that, you, know, you know, guys, Herb Tyler and Rondell Mealy and Wendell Davis – Gabe Northern, those guys don't play at LSU anymore. I mean, it's not like it's an LSU all-star team. We're going to play the team they put on the field. The same team that lost to Florida State. And it's weird that that's even, you know, to say it like that. You know, Florida State, usually they would say that. That's big, it's big, big bugging. LSU is not ranked, and with good reason. And if you look around the country, there are more people that think Mississippi State should be ranked in LSU. And I thought Peter Burns made a good point. I listened to Brian's show uh, yesterday. He goes, I think Mississippi State's kind of out of sight, out of mind. You know, we had the long rain delay, so we play the game in the middle of the night against Memphis. And we play, of course, Pac-12 after dark. I think we've just kind of been out of the eyeballs. We hadn't been in people's range of sight. You win this ball game, everything changes. And it also looks that we go from, I think, the expectations change from having a good season perhaps to a great season. All right, let's get into the, the, the SEC weekend preview. All right, it should be an exciting weekend. Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. You got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? There been times in the past I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee. It's been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. 
It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. Football, but there are there are some games that are just kind of dogs of games. You know what I mean? It just there are gonna be some games out here that just you know not gonna be very good. However, we're gonna open up what I think looks like a good game on paper. I don't think it will be on the field. It's 11 a.m. kick from Columbia, South Carolina, is the Georgia Bulldogs, your new number one team, and and I think that's fair after the the performance Alabama put together at Texas. Not just the score, but the fact that Alabama didn't play well. And I know, listen, it's difficult. It's difficult to stay up every week. Georgia has been dominant. And I really think Georgia should have been number one starting the season. Uh, but there are some people out there, of course, that uh, point to the, the, what they've lost on defense. They are still steamrolling people. I think they're going to steamroll South Carolina, too. I know I've got a lot of Shane Beamer fans uh, that listen. I'm a Shane Beamer fan, too. I just don't think they're ready for this challenge home or away. South Carolina has put up a few points. Spencer Rattler's done uh, some good things there, and they're still kind of finding a sense of their own offensive identity. I just think Georgia is head and shoulders better than South Carolina. I think that shows I like Georgia to win and cover in this ballgame. Youngstown State at Kentucky. Kentucky now ranked in the top ten. I'm still not sold on them. And, yes, like they, they go beat Florida, and they made Anthony Richardson look really bad. That made him look bad. Now, some of that is of his own ineptitude, but you can't. You got to give Kentucky some credit too. You know, they put a defense out there and lined up and caused some confusion. And Richardson, you know, throws the football right to Kentucky. You know, I don't think Youngstown State has a chance in this ball game. You know, of course, uh, I guess last year was it you know, UT Chattanooga nearly beat Kentucky, but uh, I think Kentucky again will will win handily. And the hype will continue. And listen, I give them credit. They're a good team. I'm just not sold on them as being a great team. I certainly don't think they're a top 10 team. But, you know, when you're two weeks into the season, teams in front of you lose, you typically move up. Abilene Christian is at Mizzou. Missouri and Kansas State went basically as we expected it last week. They won't have any trouble this week. But, you know, Missouri is interesting because they can do some things that are very innovative offensively, but defensively, it's like they're, they're very, very basic in what they do. They have a tough time stopping people. And I thought Kansas State, I went back and watched some of the clips of that game, Kansas State was just so much stronger at the point of attack. Abilene Christian will not be able to compete with Missouri. This, this game will be a blowout. And if it's not, Eli Drinkwitz needs to start reevaluating what he's doing. All right, that's the morning games. And then the early afternoon games, we have a a nice collection of games here. Ole Miss at Georgia Tech, the fighting Jeff Collins rambling wreck. I would love to see Tech win this. I just don't see it. Watching Georgia Tech, and yes, it was against Clemson, Georgia Tech just doesn't seem to have an identity on offense. And I think they're going to struggle to score against Ole Miss. And not that I think that Ole Miss is very robust defensively. I just don't think Georgia Tech is good offensively. I do think Ole Miss can put some points up. Now, Jeff, 
Very intelligent guy, very innovative defensive play caller. I could see this being a game for a while, but I think in the end, Ole Miss is just going to have too much. It'll be. I'm eager to see how Ole Miss runs the football against Georgia Tech. That's one of the first tenets, of course, of the psycho defense, right? Being strong against a run. So Jeff and those guys will commit the personnel in the box to try to slow that Ole Miss ground game down. And we talked about that in the preseason, expect them to run it a lot more. And they have so far. This will be a little more of a challenge, I guess, than they've had. I just, Again, I just don't think Georgia Tech can score with Ole Miss. So we'll take the Rebels to win. I think it's probably a game for a half, maybe two and a half quarters. And I think ultimately Ole Miss will pull away and likely cover in this ballgame. All right, Penn State is at Auburn. You know, Auburn, that's a thing, too. You look at it and say, well, you know, Auburn's 2-0. and Guys, it is such a shaky 2-0. and So they beat Mercer 42-16, and that was interesting for a little bit. And then last week they beat San Jose State 24-16. What what are we doing? San Jose State had the lead at the half, 10-7. And then Auburn in the third quarter kind of basically takes control of the game but still has to hold on late, and they went 24-16. That seat's hot, man. Yeah, you won the game, but it's like, if you're Auburn, should you ever be in a game with San Jose State? No. No, you shouldn't. So they've played basically two cupcakes and really haven't looked totally impressive against either. They kind of got after Mercer a little bit in the middle of the ball game, but it's like, you, you expect to win that game going away. And you come back the next week and you eke out a one-score win. Penn State beat the Tigers last year. They'll beat them again this year. I don't really think there's much question about that. Even though it's in Auburn. And listen, this would be a very loud win for Auburn if they could find a way to win it. Probably get some people on the bandwagon. I just don't think Penn State is going to be nervous about coming to play on the Plains. Maybe I'm wrong. I think James Franklin's a great coach. I think the Nittany Lions are a team that expect to win games like this. And, and to be honest with you, they have been tested this year. They open up with a big road win at Purdue. And they blast the Bobcats of Ohio last week. You start looking at this Penn State thing, you start realizing there's a good chance they're 5-0. and when they go to Ann Arbor, they're on October 15th. And that's off a of bye week. You get these two, you get Auburn, then you host Central Michigan, and then you get Northwestern at home. You got a good chance to open up really strong if you're Penn State. By the time Penn State goes to play Michigan, goodness, they could be you know top 15, potentially top 10 if things fall this right. So I expect them to go win the ballgame. Won't be the least bit surprised if Auburn makes it competitive. I will be surprised if Auburn wins. That's your CBS game. Vanderbilt at Northern Illinois. I don't quite understand why you're making this trip, Vanderbilt. I really don't. I don't know what the contractual promises are and all this thing, but uh, Vandy on the road. This could be interesting. Northern Illinois. They're probably excited to get an SEC team in their house. 
They should be. So they'll have a good crowd by their standards, as well they should. They're 1-1 one one so far on the year. They beat Eastern Illinois 34-27, and then they lose at Tulsa in a barn burner of a game, 38-35. Davis Brin, the quarterback um, from Tulsa, had a big game against them. But it took Tulsa to come from behind in the closing seconds to win the game. So Northern Illinois certainly capable of beating Vanderbilt. I don't think they will. I think Mike Wright will probably prove to be too much for the Huskies. But don't be surprised if you look up all of a sudden across the ticker there while you're watching Penn State and Auburn and you see that Northern Illinois and Vandy are locked into one. Mississippi State, excuse me, UL Monroe at Alabama. Man, I would hate to be a Warhawk this week. And I don't think Nick Saban's as mad about the score as he is the lack of discipline. I mean, Alabama couldn't line up right. Double-digit penalties. I mean, you don't see that with a Nick Saban coach team. And then after the game, they're out there throwing the horns down thing and Saban gets all upset about that. And you know what? And good for Nick. Good for Nick. You go down there and you win a game against Texas that you should win, that you were favored to win handily, and you're throwing the horns down thing after you escape with a one-point win. Very unsaving-like behavior. He'll get him right this week. UL Monroe also played Texas in week one and lost 52-10. Last week, they beat the Colonels of Nickel State the pride of Thibodeau, 35-7. And then they get to travel to Tuscaloosa to face a very angry Alabama team that I don't think has played maybe up to its potential in the last week. You'll get a very focused Crimson Tide team this week. I think this will, this will not be for the meek. I believe this will be an absolute bloodletting. Of course, Mississippi State's at LSU. I told you guys I'm picking the Bulldogs, and here's why. I don't think Jaden Daniels' feet are enough to beat us. Now, I don't think Jaden Daniels' feet and hitting a few balls down the field to Keishon Butte and Malik Neighbors is enough to beat us. I think defensively we're going to get some plays. I, I, I'm, I'm going to call it right now. I think we're going to get a defensive score. Whether it's a scooping score, a pick six, I believe we're going to get a non-offensive touchdown. And, and you know, and Tulu may do some things too. But I think defensively we're going to play well. I don't think they're going to consistently be, up, be able to line up and run the football against us. No, they will some. I mean, right? I mean, it's, you don't have that level of talent to get shut down rushing. I just don't think Jalen Daniels for four quarters can beat us in a backyard football game. Now, if there's a play late in the game and things break down, he's athletic enough to get us. I just don't know that LSU is going to be able to consistently get stops on defense. They'll get some because that pass rush is going to be good. Our offensive line's got to play well. And we have against LSU in recent years. But Will Rogers has seen these guys now in person twice, on the field once. 
And people you know, lost in the in the game last year against LSU. Will Rogers had a pretty good day. We discussed some of that the other day. Uh, you know, we, we get down 28-10 in the fourth quarter and we come back and make it look a little better than it really was. But Will Rogers himself, good day. And again, it's like I read these things sometimes too, and I think it's like one of the things I said when I lived in Baton Rouge is those guys are so deep in the purple and gold bubble, they don't realize that college football happens around them. And that's like, oh, the defensive coordinator came up with this amazing scheme. You're going to rush three and drop eight? They've been doing that since the dawn of time against Mike Leach. It's not some new innovative scheme. Oh, we spent all summer on it. I know you want to feel like your coaches did a great job, but the reality of it is they just mimicked what everybody else did. And even with that, Will Rogers, 47 of 62 for 371 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. The pick, the big one, and just one sack. Now, granted, we had Charles Cross to help us a little bit. You know, we also had some liabilities over at the right side. But Will Rogers, a good game against them. And I think we can all agree with Rodgers a better player than he was last year. Bulldogs had their best game on the ground last year. Ran netted 115 yards. And so you start looking at these offensive numbers, and it's like as great as that scheme was, we still moved the football. The problem that we had is we turned the football over. That's what we can't afford to do. We can't afford to turn the football over down here. We got to win the takeover battle, the, the, t- the turnover battle. Excuse me. You know, we, I mean, you got right the very first drive of the game. It's a third and four at the LSU thirty-seven for State. We swing it out to Malik Heath, got the first down, and he fumbles. Our very first drive. You know, we're going in here, and we and we we fumbled the football away. And immediately go back and give a touchdown. And then it's kind of back and forth for a while. It's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, there wasn't much offensive play. We kept thinking, hey, we're one play away. We'll get right. We'll figure this thing out. Then, then again, we put together another good drive here. Have a chance to kind of put some points on the board. Uh, kind of pull even here. And we don't. And we drive down the field. And Cordell Flott ended up having a great game. He's the one that forced the fumble. And he's got to get some big pick here late. I mean, again, you cut running running through all this stuff, and it's like you see the missed opportunities that Mississippi State had. That's the one thing that I think sometimes that we forget. We had so many opportunities in this game to make some things happen. And that, you know, that great defensive game plan they came up with, it was really more about us. You know, our, our third possession here, and we put together some things together. We're driving down the field again. We go right on down the field. Next thing you know, it's first and 10th, the LSU 30. And we get five yards. You know, it's like now it's second and five. We lay a ball up there. I don't know if Willis didn't see the guy or if they confuse us with the coverage. We throw a pick. So it's two promising drives in the first quarter in plus territory where we turn the football over. And come away with nothing. And again, you look back at this, it's a 7-3 ball game at the break. 7-3. to 
what if we just have an average start in this ballgame? Completely different. And again, I give LSU credit. They took charge in the third quarter. We helped them with that stupid leaping penalty. They had a chance to get off the field there. We don't. Trying to do too much. A young guy doesn't have very good football IQ. We had all the momentum about to get the ball back. And so, again, at one point they're up 28-10 here in the fourth quarter. Give them credit. But the issues that we had early in this ballgame were, were us. They were self-inflicted by us. And remember, they had our full attention. They were embarrassed the year before. We went down there and ruined their, you know, their flag ceremony. They're hanging the NAFL championship banner. We go out there and hang a, hang a loss on them. I liked our chances in this ballgame. Important to get off to a good start. Missouri State's at Arkansas. You know, Arkansas is fun to watch. And maybe it's because all these years of us watching Dan Mullen. They're fun to watch. They're going to play Missouri, the Missouri State Bears from the Missouri Valley. They're 2-0. and But the games have been competitive. They went at Central Arkansas 27-14. Then they beat UT Martin 35-30. They're not beating Arkansas. Arkansas will win this game handily. I think Arkansas will run at will in this ballgame. I think that's a fair expectation. All right, our buddy Joe Moorhead, the Akron Zips, headed to Knoxville. Tennessee finally ranked what I feel is appropriate, 15th in the country. Joe and them were giving away a ton of points. I actually picked the Zips to cover. I think the line is like 49. But Joe and them open up, and they had to beat St. Francis PA late in overtime, 30-23. to 23. Not good, Joe. And then they go on the road and play Michigan State and get beat 52 to nothing. Now, you look at the schedule for the Zips. Once you get – I mean, it's like you get St. Francis, which should be a gimme for you. Then you get back-to-back top 15 teams. And things lighten up a good bit. So, Joe and them could go, you know, get some things together. But um, not this week. Tennessee wins big, but again, I, I, I'm not a betting man. But in our little pickups column, I picked the Zips to cover. And maybe that's just because I think Tennessee will show a little mercy late. All right, South Florida at Florida. Florida goes from unranked to overranked and then now middle of the pack, ranked 18th. A lot of fluctuation in the rankings at this point. They host South Florida, the Bulls. Florida should win this game just on athleticism alone. And, again, Billy's a guy, too, that kind of like just line up and run at you. And so get behind that big offensive line. You're not going to be able to do that at Kentucky. Kentucky, of course, a team that uh, traditionally has a really good defensive front, even if they don't have, you know, maybe first-round type talents. They're going to have really good college players in the front. Stoops done a good job in that respect. But South Florida is not going to be able to match up with Florida in the trenches. The Bulls, uh, one and one on the year. Uh, they lose week one to BYU 50-21, and then they win against Howard last week 42-20. This will be their first road game of the year before they head to Louisville next week. 
but yeah, Florida should get these guys. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, I don't remember what the line is. I, I think Florida will come back with some vigor. Now, perhaps the most entertaining game, and many of you will be able to flip over and watch this. We'll have to listen to it probably on the road home. Miami at A&M. Now, Miami, the crystal ball, I think, is uh, experiencing a bit of a renaissance down there. Mario knows how to recruit. You know, he's a South Florida guy, an alum. He understands the pride of the U. They beat Bethune-Cookman 70-13 to in week one. They get down 7 nothing in Southern Miss and then score 30 unanswered. Going to be a little more difficult this week. First road game of the year for Miami. A&M, of course, loses last week to Appalachian State. I still like the Aggies in the game. Now, they've made a, a change of quarterback. Max Johnson, former LSU quarterback, taking over for Haynes King. I think Max Johnson is going to win that job and win that game this week. I like this A&M defense. I know they had some struggles last week, but I think some of that's because of the ineptitude on offense. A lot of people are picking Miami. I'm going against the grain. I know that Miami is uh, is a quality team. But I think this Texas A&M team, just like last year, they lose to Arkansas, lose to us, and then everybody's left ready to fire Jimbo and they beat Alabama. And, yeah, I get it. That's a highlight in a pretty mediocre season. I just like the bounce back from the Aggies this week. If they don't win this week, this thing could absolutely go off the rails very, very quickly. Kind of looking ahead here. You get the, the game, the Arkansas A&M game at Jerry World next week, and Arkansas playing really well. And I think that'll be an absolute, absolute great game. And the, those since they've moved that game at Jerry World, it just seems like they have, those games have become so incredibly competitive. I think that's going to be interesting. I think Arkansas wins, but I think it's interesting. So then they come to Starkville, then to Alabama. So you look at this four-game stretch. Miami is ranked. Arkansas is ranked. State is not ranked, but should be and likely will be when that game starts. And then, of course, Alabama. This four-game stretch right here could ultimately decide the season for A&M. So you lose this one, and all of a sudden, you're one and two. You got to go to Jerry World, and Arkansas has played really well against A&M as of late. You could be one and three rolling into Starkville in front of a crowd that uh, is very unrelenting. Might even have some of our students dress up like cows to entice the milkmen away from the stupid cheer. We'll see how things go. But uh, I like a to bounce back this week. I think there will be a sense of urgency in College Station. I th- again, I think that defense is pretty decent. You know, no points against Sam Houston, you expect that. And in 17 against App State, even in a loss, it wasn't the defense that was the issue. It was the offense. I think defensively, this Aggie team is probably a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. And I think defense ultimately will be the difference in this ballgame. So let's take the Aggies. And so, again, running back through your winners here real quickly. Real quickly. Uh, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, Ole Miss, Penn State, Vanderbilt, Alabama, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida, and Texas A&M. That's my take on it. Maybe you disagree. 
sometimes picks don't work out the way we thought, which is one of the reasons we love college football as much as we do. All right, time for today's top ten list. Time for today's top ten list. Brought to you by CloseTheBlair.com. Blair Chandler, a mortgage professional. A lot of people out there want your business. Blair deserves it. 21 years of experience in the industry. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Two years running. Works for Fairway Mortgage. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it comes to mortgage loan origination. Maybe you're looking to refinance. Maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. And you listen, here's the thing. Life comes at you fast. Sometimes you get a little bit overextended. Sometimes you need to consolidate some debt or get some cash out. Blair's a guy that can help you navigate through that process. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And if you mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. How about that? It's about a $500 value. You can get more information at CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. CloseWithBlair.com. Be sure to check that out. Thanks, Blair, for his uh, continued support of the show. All right, today's top 10 list. We're going to do rock bands that have a connection to the state of Louisiana. Did that last week with Arizona. Got some positive response from you guys, too. Many of you didn't know that Linda Ronstadt and Stevie Nicks are from Arizona. You know what? I didn't either. Just didn't. And now we know. All right, so we're going to go back to some of these bands are actually from Louisiana or they have a prominent member of the band that is from Louisiana. These rock bands all the way. There's no Louisiana LaRue. There's no New Orleans ladies on here. You know, Lenny Kravitz lives in New Orleans, but he's not from New Orleans. Trent Reznor, not from New Orleans, lives in New Orleans. And Rye Scott rest her soul. Not from New Orleans, but lived in New Orleans. What, what, a, what, a, what a tremendous loss that was to the American literary community. All right, so here we go. These bands, again, either from Louisiana or have a band member prominently mentioned in the band's history from Louisiana. Number 10, One Hit Wonder. Some of you guys remember these guys. They, they're from New Orleans. It's a band called Dead Eye Dick, named after a Kurt Vonnegut novel. It's the song New Age Girl. It was kind of catchy. It was kind of peppy. It was kind of a silly song. But it was a hit. The only hit they had, but I wanted to throw those guys a little bit of a bone today. Another band that I don't know that got its acclaim, and it was kind of around, this is like when Creed and bands like that were kind of rising to prominence. It was a band out of South Louisiana based out of Homa, Louisiana, a band called Acid Bath. These guys would, like, play in a field. They would just have, like, field parties. So, so, like, somebody would go out there and say, hey, we're going to rent this field or we're going to use this farmer's field or whatever. We're going to have a big show. And they developed this huge cult following. They had uh, one album called When the Kite String Pops, unless they've done something in recent years. But they had kind of developed this following in Louisiana that was incredible. Like, like you, you'd go to these field parties, and it'd be the same people. And then the crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger, and everybody thought Acid Bath was about to break. They didn't. Uh, the, t- the track we're going with off when the kite string pops is uh, Scream at the Butterfly, which is a little more alternative rock vibey. You know, it, went, it wasn't really up-tempo. I think you'll dig it. It's a different track. Number eight, the band 12 Stones from Mandeville, Louisiana. Uh, Paul the singer, you, you probably know him best from his uh, the male vocal part on uh, 
Evanescence's breakthrough song, Bring Me to Life. Originally, and somewhere around here, I have the original version of that song, and there is no male vocal. And then that record company added that later. Of course, 12 Stones on the same label at the time as Evanescence. And so it was kind of a coming out party for 12 Stones, though they never really capitalized. But we're going to go with Broken off the 12 Stones debut album is our number eight song. Number seven, I had this on cassette. It's a band called Zebra out of New Orleans. Kind of the precursors in many respects for bands like Lillian Axe and others. Uh, Zebra had some notoriety. I just don't know that they had maybe the songwriting ability to get some of their peers. They certainly had the chops. And I don't know that there's any song in the catalog that really illustrates that more than the track, Tell Me What You Want. Tell Me What You Want from Zebra, number seven. Number six, I, if, I've ever, if I've met these guys, it wasn't on purpose. It was maybe like in line at Raising Cane's or something in Baton Rouge. It's the band Baton Rouge. And right around 1990, 91, these guys were absolutely electric. A lot of people thought that they were about to break through. Break through. And again, music was changing. You know, people were tired of having fun. People were ready to be depressed. People were ready to wear dirty funnel shirts. And uh, so Baton Rouge, despite having that great debut album, was kind of washed away. But we're going to go with number six, Walks Like a Woman. From Baton Rouge, number six. Great, great song. And if, like, if you ever just like, are you on, a, on the road and you're like, I'd like to listen to something completely unfamiliar and something fresh, something maybe I, I'm unaware of, put on that Baton Rouge debut album. You'll be glad you did. Number five, Jared Leto, who has uh, had, had some success as an actor. A native of Bossier City, Louisiana. He came into my life because he was one of the early Octane bands with 30 Seconds to Mars. So we're going to use the song The Kill, subtitled Bury Me, as your number five song. 30 Seconds to Mars, The Kill. That guy's a great vocalist, too. And 30 Seconds to Mars, an interesting band. All right, we're down to the final four, and I think we probably would all agree this is the best four. You may disagree with the order, and that's fine. You can put your own show together, and you can be wrong. But number four for me, from New Orleans, it's better than Ezra. Absolutely love Better Than Ezra. Seen them a handful times. Many of you only know them from the song Good, which is really a disgrace because it's a great song. But the catalog is so great. We're going to go with one of my favorite Better Than Ezra songs. It's the King of New Orleans. God Save the King of New Orleans. It's great. I love that song. I love the vocal delivery on it. This This is a great band. Better than Ezra, number four. Number three, this, a lot of people consider this uh, a solo act, but it's not. It's the Kenny Wayne Shepherd band. They're trading off his name, a native of Blanchard, Louisiana. Kenny Wayne Shepherd, I told you guys before, he is my traveling companion on many of my long trips. Because it's so easy, like, not to have to think. You know what I mean? Like, you just put on it. Like, many of you just probably listen to your Sirius XM and then you flip back and forth. Sometimes I'll have a playlist together and I'll skip through it because I don't want to hear a song. But Kenny Wayne Shepherd, I can just put on a KWS album and just let it ride. And then I can just relax and enjoy the ride and I have to think about what, what I want to listen to next, right? Kenny Wayne Shepherd's amazing. The Trouble Is album is my favorite. 
but there are a lot of other albums in that one. That, you know, the Traveler, an album that was released last year, is outstanding. But we're going to go with Everything is Broken, which is really true in the blues vein. I think you'll dig that track. Noah's vocal on it is really good, too. Really fun band to see live, too. Maybe we get them to Starkville someday. Number two, speaking of coming to Starkville, it's Lillian Axe. That's right. Based originally out of Louisiana. They're back in Louisiana now. They broke in Mississippi. And Steve lived here for a long time. But it's True Believer off the Poetic Justice album, which may be my favorite Lillian album. Sometimes I go back and forth between that and Love and War. But True Believer, I think, is my favorite track off Poetic Justice. You may disagree, and that's okay. I think we can have opposing viewpoints when it comes to Lillian Axe. Like, this is my favorite, Steve. Well, cool. You know, one of mine is uh, Those Who Pray. I love that. Uh, that song is amazing. Didn't have near the notoriety as many others. But, uh, you know, Lillian, again, a, a band that's very special to a lot of people uh, in the South. And so come out and see what it's all about. And again, the brand new album, From Womb to Tomb, available now. But number one, now I understand this band was based out of Texas. But they did not have any true success until they added one of New Orleans' finest sons, Phil Anselmo, to the band Pantera. When Pantera broke, because I originally, like, people say, oh, I was a Dimebag fan for years. Yeah, were you, were you a friend with him when he was Diamond, Diamond Daryl? And they were trying to do glam? When Phil Anselmo joined the band, Pantera founded Sound. And uh, been a lot of controversy over the years between Phil and the Abbott brothers, and and now sadly they're both gone. But Phil and Rex going to team up with uh, Charlie Benanti and and Zach Wild and go out and do a Pantera tour next year, and I will be there. I hope that you guys will come join us too. But Phil Anselmo really changed the direction of Pantera. And I know they were trying to find a singer that had a little more bass in his voice and things like that because music was changing. But Pantera, a groundbreaking band, and I think Phil Anselmo has made a lot of mistakes. But when he, he joined Pantera, it really changed rock music, American hard rock music, in a very different and very positive way. So we're going to go with Cemetery Gates as your number one song of rock bands, with ties to Louisiana. So there we go. You have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out let me know. Better yet, hit Roy up on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can find all of our great lists on Roy's Spotify, also at dogmatic67. So if you're looking to, for a great list while you're traveling, we'll check it out. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. I love Campus Bookmart. You should too. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. You know, we may discover a galaxy far, far away one day, and they may have like a big maroon planet that's got more Mississippi State merchandise. But until that day comes, you need to support a Starkvillian institution, Campus Bookmart. Go by and see their smiling faces. You'll be glad you did. Lovely people doing a great job for a great fan base. Bully Shop, completely renovated. I was there two weekends ago, absolutely packed. Absolutely packed. With Bulldogs buying Mississippi State merch. Not a better place to shop in Starkville. Be sure and go check them out next time you're in town. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. 
And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That promo code gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. Okay, let's take a look around the SEC statistic-wise here. Now, we've only played two games, right? So you can't draw a lot of conclusions from this. But you have some Bulldogs getting off to good starts here. And again, a lot of people haven't played the best of competition, right? It's important to understand that. But Will Rogers currently leads the SEC with 763 yards passing. Number two on that list is Stetson Bennett from Georgia. And they played Sanford. We haven't played an FCS opponent yet. Spencer Rattler is third with 603. Hendon Hooker, fourth. 546 yards. Will Levis right there, 505, down at, at, uh, in fifth. And then Haynes King is six. Mike Wright is seven. Did you expect that? Bryce Young from Alabama, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, just 408. Didn't have a good game against Texas. Give the Longhorns some credit. K.J. Jefferson, 385. And I'll tell you, I've said this before. We're not a good matchup for Arkansas. We're not. We should have beat them last year. We all know this. We're pretty salty against the run. We're going to make him throw the football. Jaden Daniels, 10th in the SEC at 346. Of course, the real threat with him is legs. He's doing a good job in, com- in completion percentage. Jackson Dart from Ole Miss, 11th. And, of course, they've split time, to be fair. Brady Cook from Missouri, 12th. Anthony Richardson, 13th. And then T.J. Finley from Auburn, 279. they got quarterback troubles. And, obviously, Will Leeds and – completions and attempts uh, completion percentage your guy will rogers still leading number two on that list Jaden daniels a lot of controlled passing for them they like to utilize a tight end will a fraction ahead will at 78.57 percent Jaden daniels 77 number three on the list kj jefferson 76 percent Stetson Bennett, then at 75. Isn't it ridiculous to think we have four quarterbacks in the league and throwing 75% or better? It's crazy. Bottom of your list, former Heisman Trophy candidate Anthony Richardson, 52%. And then Will Levis, a lot of people project him to be a potential first-rounder, 60%. All right, yards per attempt. We're doing okay here, not great. Stetson Bennett. Leads the conference 10.28. Will Rogers down at ninth at 7.79%. Jaden Daniels just behind him at 7.69%. Passing touchdowns. That's Will Rogers with nine. Mike Wright has six from Vanderbilt. Bryce Young with six. Jaden Daniels with five. Interceptions. Will Rogers saddled with two. Neither were his fault. Spencer Rattler has thrown the most with three. And then Brady Cook and T.J. Finley are right there with him. Then Will Rogers, then Will Levis, Haynes King, Anthony Richardson, all with two. Mike Wright, Jackson Dart with one. And, of course, uh, Jaden Daniels hasn't thrown one yet. We need that. We need to change that this weekend. All right, quarterback sacks. Sacks allowed. Spencer Rattler has been sacked nine times. Did you expect that? A guy that mobile and that athletic? There's some issues there. Maybe he's trying to do too much. But nine sacks through two games is an awful lot. Will Levis with seven. Jaden Daniels 
the mobile and uber-athletic Jaden Daniels, five. Hendon Hooker with four. Will Rogers there at three. One of those is Will's fault. The other two, they just got us. All right, quarterback rating. As you'd expect, Jaden Daniels, pretty high on this list. 179 leads the conference. When you don't throw picks, that's what happens. High completion percentage, no interceptions, good rating. Stetson Bennett, 176.94. KJ, 173. And then there's Will Rogers at 170.2. Now, bottom of the list, Anthony Richardson from Florida, 90. Again, not making it happen. Not making it happen. It's incredible how a guy in, in one week's time can go from you know, the talk of the town to being a top five candidate perhaps in the Heisman Trophy race to being considered yesterday's news. Now, he'll bounce back a little bit. He's an incredible athlete, but uh, it's incredible how the hype exploded after one week and then disappeared the next week. He had a really bad game against Kentucky. But, again, give Kentucky some credit for that on defense. That's important to kind of understand too. I don't know that sometimes Stoops gets enough credit for that. And I, I mentioned that, you know, last week. is like, you know, he had kind of figured some things out with Dan Mullen. Did that carry over against Billy Napier? I think it did. I, we're never going to be leading this category. It's a rushing individual player rushing. Raheem Sanders from Arkansas leads the league with 273. And then right behind him, the number two and number three rushers in this league, both from Vanderbilt. Let that sink in for a second. Mike Wright playing pretty well. Ramon Davis, 269. Mike Wright, 264. Tank Bigsby from Auburn. And what a good get it was to get him back for Auburn. 198. And then five and six, Ole Miss Rebels. Kenshawn Judkins and Jack Evans. Montrell Johnson there from, uh, from, from Florida, number seven. To find a Bulldog, you got to get down to number 11. It's Dylan Johnson. Dylan Johnson just run for 127 yards. So just right outside the top ten. But barely, you know, K.J. Jefferson and Robbie Asher both have uh, – run for 129, and Jaden Daniels right there at 132. So you got a couple quarterbacks ahead of him. But, uh, you know, Dylan doing a good job, having a good year for us. But, again, that's not going to be a category that, uh, you, know, you know, Colin Hill led the league here a couple years ago. It's going to be wild. All right, receiving category here. Now, this is where you look at numbers-wise as far as, like, number of receiving yards. We may not be there among the top. But we'll be there with catches. The leading receiver in the Southeastern Conference is Antoine Wells Jr. from South Carolina, 244 yards. Cedric Tillman, an absolute stud at Tennessee, hitting 230. And then there's Jaden McGowan from Vanderbilt. What is happening with the offensive renaissance in Nashville? Uh, Anaya Smith, I love his game from Texas A&M, is fourth. Kenny McIntosh, a running back from the University of Georgia, the first running back. Uh, to be listed uh, in this list, 178, then Javaris Johnson. And then you get to the first Bulldog, number seven, Rara Thomas. Caleb Ducking is there tied for 10th. What's interesting is uh, Mississippi State has two receivers ahead of anybody from LSU. Malik Neighbors, number 11, at 123. Then Brian Thomas, Jr., is 21. And then Keishon Butte, well down the list at 37. Interesting. All right, number of receptions. Cedric Tillman and Antoine Wells are tied for the lead 
The first Bulldog is Dylan Johnson, who is fourth in the SEC with 12 receptions. Number five, the pride of Starkville, Mississippi, Rufus Harvey. I bet you didn't expect to see that, did you? And then uh, tied for six, we have Caleb Duckin and Ra-Ra Thomas with a couple of other guys too. But uh, So, yeah, we're spreading the ball around a good bit. But if you had Rufus Harvey in the top five when it comes to receptions per game or total number of receptions, you have won Bulldog Bingo. All right, yards per reception. Again, this is not going to be a category that we're going to dominate. Ra-Ra Thomas, our, uh, our highest grossing receiver in this statistical category at 19. Ra-Ra, 14.4. But uh, Javaris Johnson from Auburn, averaging 22.57 yards per catch. Now, receiving touchdowns, this is something where we're going to be able to compete. Will Shepard from Vanderbilt leads the SEC in receiving touchdowns. Ole Miss might want to get nervous. Michael Trigg from Ole Miss, tight end up there, got done a great job. Former USC star, has three receiving touchdowns. And then tied for third, excuse me, tied for second is Caleb Ducking, who also has three. And then Austin Williams with a couple. So you got some Bulldogs doing pretty well here. Former Bulldog Malik Heath also has two. And then uh, Jermaine Burton, former Georgia Bulldog, now at Alabama, has a couple. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna be able to compete here at this uh, this you know receiving touchdowns as much as we throw it. But uh, Caleb Ducking is a guy kind of you know nobody's really talking about him yet, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. That's one of the things that Paul Jones does. I think is funny. He always tweets out, "You were warned." You know, we kept seeing it in camp. It's good to see it translate to the field of play, right? How many times have we seen these heroes in camps? All right, total points. This is amazing. The top two point scorers in the Southeastern Conference, both from Vanderbilt, Will Shepard and Mike Wright, 54 points between the two of them. And that's not counting, um, you know, touchdown passes from Wright. For his, his are four rushing touchdowns. And then Shepard, of course, of five receptions. So, and then Mississippi native Jarquez Hunter, also right there at second with four rushing touchdowns for the Auburn Tigers. You got to get all the way down to uh, six. There's a lot of names in there. Woody Marks tied for six in the Southeastern Conference with 18 points. We'll see how things go. And again, it's early, right? I mean, you can't you can't put a lot into this. But uh, let's look at kicking numbers. Last year we were scared to look. A little different. Ben Rabin now tied uh, for fourth in the SEC. Two field goal attempts, two field goals made. Matt Ruffalo leads the SEC with five field goals made, five of six attempts. But, uh, you know, you know, let, you get a little deeper here. Caden Davis from A&M, one for three. LSU, Damian Ramos, one for two. I, I had a radio host tell me this week that he didn't think either fan base would be comfortable with their kicker taking the field. I think we'll be really happy with Ben Rabin taking the field. Been in a great game last week. It's needed to continue. Believe it or not, there have been a couple field goals made from 50-plus. You know that? Mitch Jeter. From South Carolina, he's three for three, and two of those are 50-plus. That's pretty impressive. So, Mitch, have a cold one on us. All right, punting numbers. Leading in punting yardage, not a surprise here at most years, but considering their offensive numbers, maybe it's a surprise this year. It's Matt Hayball with 770 punts. He has uh, punted an SEC leading 16 times. Long punt of the year so far. 
Cal Kroger, or Kai Kroger from South Carolina with a 79-yard boot. That's pretty impressive. We don't really want to be on this list either. We don't like punting. Looking at return numbers here, you know, our, our guy's not going to get a lot of opportunities because people are going to kick it away from him. Devin Achain doing well. He's had three kick returns, averaging 48, had one of 95, returned for a touchdown. And Chris Abrams drains a guy at State recruited, went to LSU and transferred to Missouri. He's having a good year too. Those three guys, Tulu, Devin, and Chris, uh, those were the top three returners coming back this year. And somehow they're able to get uh, some returns from Devin. You know, we'll see what happens now as they get into SEC play. See how that goes. Look at some defensive numbers here. Anthony Orja from Vanderbilt leads the SEC with 27 tackles. You begin to hear these numbers and you're thinking, is, is Vandy getting better? I think they are. They also have another tackler in the top five at Maxwell Worship, the safety, tied for fourth with Bumper Pool, who's a tackling machine at Arkansas. The top Bulldog here on this list, you got to go down a little bit because uh, we have not, we've been on the field a lot more offensively. We'll keep just scrolling down here. We find a guy. Goodness gracious. We don't have anybody for a while. You know, Judd Johnson, of course, leads a team in tackling. But, uh, you know, we are just a, a team that has not been on the field an awful lot. But we don't have anybody listed you know, among the top 25 tacklers. I don't think this is right. There's no way it can be. I don't know how Jet could be. They've got people down here with 10 tackles. I know Jet's got more than that. There he is. I overlooked him. Jet Johnson with 20 tackles. He is the only guy we have listed uh, on this list of the top uh, 40 or 50 tacklers here. Jet Johnson now tied with Bumper Pool with 20. So seven tackles off the lead. And I said back then Jet Johnson in the preseason was snubbed on the preseason All-SEC list. He was among the top ten tacklers returning in the league and, and among the top linebackers and was not given his proper recognition. Jets played well. We're going to need him to play well this week. This is a game that I think Jet can rack up some tackles because LSU's going to try to run the football. I think Jet's a guy that is a guy that fits gaps, and so we can expect Jet to have a good ball game. We need Jet to have a good ball game. We need him and Bookie both, that whole linebacking crew, to have a good ball game move the line of scrimmage, get some TFLs. But, uh, you know, that's an interesting dynamic to begin to think about. You know, we got some guys that are playing really good defense, but they're not going to fill out the box score because they're not going to be on the field nearly as much. All right, Randy Charlton uh, has a sack, Nathan Pickering a sack, Colin Duncan a sack. But, um, you know, the leading pass rushers in this conference have three. That's Drew Sanders from Arkansas and then Kahari Coleman from Ole Miss both have three apiece. And then Jordan Dominique from Arkansas has a couple. Uh, the highest-rated defensive lineman, I think, on that team. Then Isaiah McGuire from Missouri as well. Jared Ivey, a defensive end from Ole Miss, also has a couple. So pretty nice pass rushing numbers for Ole Miss so far. See how things level out a little bit once we get into SEC play. But uh, Randy Charlton, of course, uh, you know, one of three guys that have uh, had sacks. And what's interesting, too, you look at all this stuff and sometimes you just kind of wonder how it all works. You know, like the quarterback hurry thing is so stupid. Like, I mean, let me spend a little time kind of opining about this. That kid, Jaden Delara, last weekend, we were credited with one quarterback hurry against him. One. One. 
when the quarterback is flushed due to pressure and he has to move and expedite his decision-making process and he has somebody in his face where he throws under duress, that is a quarterback hurry. I think a lot of these people in college athletics don't know how to chart hurries. I would love to see pro football focus do it. They're more of an objective third-party group. You know, and listen, they're not college coaches, okay, but they do a better job of this. But it's like when I read these things and, like, I see some of our people, it's like we look at a box score rather than look at the game. If you saw what we did against Arizona, now granted we didn't get the guy on the ground, our pass rush was relentless against Arizona. And no, we didn't get all the sacks we should have gotten. we got to finish plays, and we're going to need to do that. It's going to be an even more important issue this week down the road against Jaden Daniels. But the reality of it is, is our pass rush was really good last week. And, like, I've seen some comments. Well, if I have a complaint, what game were you watching? Oh, we only got a couple sacks. Did you not see that kid running for his life? The entire ball game. And the kid's athletic. He got away from us a couple times. And there are other times we didn't finish a play. But to suggest that we didn't have adequate pass rush last week is just not accurate. It's not a matter of opinion. That kid threw under duress. And, like, you see a guy roll out there and throw the ball to receiver's feet. What what do you think that's – what do you think that's a product of? You think he just decided, let me just throw this ball at his feet? Hey, I'm running out here for my life. I'm just going to throw it out of bounds. You think he just does that because he's thinking this is the right statistical move for myself? Strategically, this is best for us? No. It's a product of the pass rush. When you speed up the decision-making process of a quarterback and force an errant throw, that is a product of the pass rush. Whether you get to him or not, you get in his face and you force an errant throw, that's a product of the pass rush. And I hate to sound so condescending about this, but I'm going to defend our guys a little bit here. Last year, we struggled at times with pass rush. We didn't struggle to rush the passer last week. We struggled to record sacks. We didn't struggle rushing the passer. I think it's important to understand the distinction between the two. He he wasn't able to sit back there and pick us apart. And there were times, too, you even saw it against Memphis. How many times did you see him? rush a throw I mean, we were in his head and it's because of the pass rush you never know what it's coming from there's a guy on your face how many times you go back and watch that memphis and arizona game and you watch how many times there's an open receiver and the the, the throw can't be completed because the passer is being influenced by a bulldog pass rusher So a lot of that stuff doesn't make the box score, but it impacts the game. I think it's important to understand that. Can we be better? Absolutely. But to suggest that we're not getting good pass rush is just not accurate. That is just simply not accurate. All right, time for the final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You guys, I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Stargo, I would move to Portico. I think it's a cool place, man. Very easy to get to. You turn off 82 on a 12. Take that very first right. It's Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop, boom, there it is. So you're tucked away kind of neatly and quietly in a neighborhood, but you're so conveniently located to campus. 1.1 miles away. 
from the Mississippi State campus. If you need more information, call Brooks Bryan, our friend, your friend, Starkville's friend, a friend of Mississippi State baseball, a friend of Omaha, Nebraska. How about that? It's our buddy Brooks Brooks Bryan, 601-416-8075, 601-416-8075. If you see Brooks around, you might be able to talk him into playing some pickup baseball or something like that. I'm sure he's happy to get out there and compete. But more importantly, he'll help you find your new home, whether it be your primary residence, perhaps a second home for you, your ballgame weekend retreat, or your future retirement home. Nothing is better than living in Starkville. I am here until my kids put me in a nursing home. And when they do, I hope it's a nursing home here in town, right? I love it here. You'll love it here, too. You have most of your, fa- your, most of your fondest memories have been made in this city. So come be a full-time resident at some point. Give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. All right, final segment of the show. A few things you want to talk about. If uh, if you are not going to Baton Rouge, and I get it, I understand it, it's a tough place to go. And it's not just because of the field and not just because of the team and not just because of the history between our two schools. LSU fan base... They get liquored up, man. They got a few things to say. They do. It's a tough place. really is. I mean, I lived down there amongst those folks for years, right? Uh, so I can tell you, I've had some friends go in there for games, and you had issues. I had one time, one time, I'm, I'm just walking up to a game wearing a state shirt, and some guy wanted me to deliver a message to Jackie Sherrill about something he wanted Jackie to do. It wasn't very friendly. It wasn't very appropriate. And so he stepped to me, and he was inebriated, so I extended my hand to keep him away from me and um, thought, thought I was going to have to come out of retirement there for a second. And then some of his friends came and got him and said, hey, man, I'm sorry, he's drunk. So I get it. Stay on my face. Uh, and then we lost the ballgame. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's tough. It really is. I mean, that, listen, the people of South Louisiana are wonderful people. They, they really are. I have had so many great experiences and so many great relationships with – People that cheer for LSU, man, but it's tough to be there when they're rolling. It really is. It's difficult. It's really difficult. Again, I got some great friends that still live down there, and it's a difficult circumstance being the maroon cork out there in a sea of purple and gold. It really is. But if you turn up down there and uh, you run your mouth a little bit, they're going to run it back. You know, so be careful what you do, what you say. Uh, a few recommendations too. Listen, there are a lot of people down there that say, "Hey, you know." Oh, you've got to go eat here and you got to go eat there. And, and they're kind of falling victims to the tourist trap, right? Um, so I would encourage you to go to Louisiana Land Yap to eat. I love that place. Pie Ranch is pretty good, too. And so living in Louisiana, too, you find out that there's like food is different in different parts of the state. Like there's some parts of the state, like you get down around the river parishes, like the Rue is a little darker, Right. It is, and, and there's a parts of Acadiana, you know, the jambalaya is probably a little spicier, if that's possible. You get down in New Orleans, it's all a little bit different. Like, they, they don't really have Cajun food in New Orleans, despite what people tell you. So it's different. It's a little different. And it's not to say that it's bad, as all these notifications come in. And those, a lot of those are people buying tickets. How cool is that? Um, so go down there and enjoy yourself. Uh, if, if you have the time... Let me give you some insider trading here. Like if you're going down today and maybe you're, you're going to be down there all day tomorrow looking for something to do, looking for something to eat, 
looking for something to enjoy, get on the interstate, run across the Chafalaya Basin, follow the speed limit, though, because they've got this new thing now where it, like, takes a picture of your plate as you enter the Chafalaya Basin. Then it takes a picture when you get off. And if you have made it too quickly, if you have survived that trip with a rate of speed that exceeds the speed limit, you're going to get a ticket in the mail. All right? So let me just tell you that right out of the gate. But run over to Pat's and Henderson. That is perhaps the best Cajun food in the world. They don't advertise. You're not going to see big, a lot of big billboards out there. You're not going to hear a radio marketing campaign. You're not going to see TV ads. I'm just telling you, that's where the locals eat. It's right there when you come off the bridge. Henderson's is right there. Pat's and Henderson is worth the time and trouble. Now, get there early. You don't expect to get over there like, you know, 11 o'clock and expect to get a table by 12. There's going to be a wait. So just be prepared. But I'm telling you, even if you don't make it this trip, at some point you owe it to yourself when you're in South Louisiana to go to Pat's and Henderson. It's fabulous. Praise John's, another great place there in Karen Crow. A little pricey, it is, but excellent, excellent. But if you're going to be in Baton Rouge, I encourage you, get out and go see some things. And a lot of the better eating places in there are not just Cajun food. Sometimes that's kind of how things happen, right? Uh, there are some great Italian places there, and people are like, well, I don't understand. Right around Independence, Louisiana, there is a huge uh, kind of Italian-American population there. Some people there that made the trip over from Italy settled in that part of Louisiana. And so you've had some of that natural Italian influence in the food there. They have, uh, I believe it's called the Italian Meat Festival there in Independence. I believe it's correct. But somewhere around there, they do the, they have like an Italian food festival once a year. And that's the thing about living in Louisiana. You, you're going to have a great time, but you're going to gain some weight because there is a great food festival or music festival every single weekend. I mean, they don't say Le Bonton, Laissez Le Bonton Roulet for nothing. Pardon my French. Let the good times roll, baby. That's what they mean. They have a good time down in Louisiana, and they love the LSU Tigers. And so I understand if you go down there and you get disrespectful down there, you're going to get disrespect right back. You go down there and just cheer for your Bulldogs, things are going to be okay. I'm just telling you that. I mean, it's, but again, understand when you're walking into the stadium, it doesn't matter if you got your wife, your kids, your grandparents, or whoever, you're going to get called Tiger Bait. And I just kind of give it right back, you know. But I, I do it kind of funny, you know. But every so often you run across the wrong person and, you know, things are tough. I'm, I'm just telling you, things are tough. I was there, and I'm going to give you a story too. When I get to heaven, and if this is not on my highlight reel, I'm going to be awfully upset. So in 2002, me and my buddy Grant Fontenot, God rest his soul, talked about him on the show recently. Matter of fact, I, I recently gave some money uh, and maybe you can find this on my Facebook, but uh, there is a there's an organization that's having an event in Starkville this weekend called Tapas and Taps. It's on Fire Station Road, and it's like the tickets are like thirty bucks, or you can get a couple for fifty. I bought a couple in honor of my friend Grant, and so it's basically to help um, help fund like the suicide hotline in our neck of the woods. And so maybe even if you don't. If you're looking for something to do, maybe go to that. If you're not, and maybe your life has been impacted by suicide at some point, maybe somebody that you love, we've lost a suicide, maybe go buy some tickets to this event for a very worthwhile cause. Again, you can get two for 50. Whether you're going or not, that money's going towards a good cause. And I feel like I'm constantly asking for stuff with you guys. But 
I felt led to do that. So it's Tapas and Taps. It'll be here in Starkville. It's T-A-P-A-S. And uh, I did. I bought a couple tickets in honor of my buddy Grant. But uh, anyway, so Grant and I were, uh, were, were at the LSU Ole Miss game. And uh, Grant bought us season tickets that year because Grant and I were great friends. I mean, we, did, we did everything together. And uh, he was my best friend in uh, Baton Rouge. And so we're up there, and uh, this is the 0-2 game. Eli goes down, throws a bad pick. I believe it was Corey Webster that picked it off, you know, right inside the Tiger 10. It looked like the Ole Miss was going to drive down to win the game. And so in the middle of all this, the Ole Miss fans that were there had to walk down, because you know how it is at Tiger Stadium. And you had to walk down, like, through the fans to get to the concourse. It's, it's, it's quite the ordeal. So there is a guy to my right who is dressed in like a purple and gold, like Middle Eastern outfit. I guess it's the best way to describe it. Now, he was some dude from Louisiana, but he had on this wild purple and gold outfit, and it was amazing. It was. I mean, you know how they are at LSU. I mean, they, they dress up. It's, it's, they're a wonderful fan base for the most part. They really support their teams. Not the most hospitable people at a ball game, but they'll feed you at their tailgate. But – Anyway, the guy's like, so all these Ole Miss people are leaving, and everybody's ringing their keys, like all the LSU people are ringing their keys. And so the Ole Miss people are having to walk down these stairs to all the people ringing their keys. And so there was a young lady, um, probably in 30-ish. So as she's walking down, the guy in the Middle Eastern outfit is kind of like leaning out. So she kind of – you know, slinks away to avoid him. She, they don't run into each other. They don't. But she was ready to get out of there. She didn't do or say anything inappropriately, and neither did my LSU friend in the Mideastern garb, right? Well, the guy behind her apparently was her husband or boyfriend, and, uh, you know, he had those bad Bama bangs, right? I mean, that was just kind of standard issue. And he had on this, um, you know, checkered shirt and then the North Face vest, you know, and like some overpriced jeans or whatever. Anyway, so I don't know if the guy was just mad. I mean, we're talking about the old Miss guy with the bad Bama bangs. I don't know if he was just mad because they were losing or if maybe he thought that the guy had said or done something to, to the young lady that was with him. But he runs and he pushes the young man in a Middle Eastern outfit over three rows of people. Now, I don't know if the guy had a death wish or what, But it got rough. And so three rows of drunk Cajuns filled with jambalaya and the spirits of the bayou commenced to whipping this guy down right there on those steps. And it got really bad. And lo and behold, your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, runs into the fray and saves the old Miss guy and gets him to security. Took about three or four knots to the back of my own head, protecting this old Miss guy. Now, I, I'm not one to plead my case for the next level, right? But when I stand before and I'm judged, I expect to get some bonus points for that. I do. But we got him out of there, and I... I to this day, I believe that that young man would have been seriously injured had I not intervened. There was the Mississippi State guy coming to the rescue of the old Miss guy. 
And it wasn't just simply because of the fact that, uh, yeah, I'm trying to be a hero. I, never, I think I've ever shared this story with you guys before. But I know how vicious it gets at LSU. And you got this little guy here that might weigh a buck 60, you know, that has done something really, really stupid and frustration. And these guys would have literally beat that guy to death. There was so many people around there, I don't know how security was going to get to him. But I go in there, next thing I know, I'm, I'm down there like on the guy trying to help him up. And my buddy Grant's like, hey, everybody back off, back off, back off. And so we get him out there, get him security. So if you were, if you were that person and I, and, and I helped you that day and you, and you have no clue that it was me because I got my much shorter hair back then because I worked in the, in the mortgage industry and things like that, I just want you to know you're welcome because you didn't thank me that night. And your girlfriend didn't thank me either. And you had no clue that I was a Mississippi State person. I wasn't even wearing an LSU shirt. I've never worn another college team's gear other than Mississippi State unless I had a child playing for that team. That's a rare exception. When I, was at, when I worked in Natchitoches, I wore Northwestern State gear to work sometimes because we were supporting locals. And John Cohen was our baseball coach, but also – you know, but do you, you understand my point. Like, I would never go buy an LSU shirt and sit with LSU fans because I'm not an LSU fan. I'm a Mississippi State fan. I don't think it hurts me to have a Northwestern State baseball shirt or a Southeastern Louisiana baseball shirt. My point being, you better go up there and have some respect for the people around you because they're not they're not gonna they're gonna they're gonna act in kind. And there's some people that are gonna be aggressive and, and they kind of paint LSU fans in a negative light. Even when Skip Bourbon was athletic director, he shared that that they probably had a higher percentage of people that, uh, you know, were a little bit, you know, shall we say, less than hospitable. And when you're talking 100,000 people, let's say it's just 1%, that's still a lot of people walking around being, being jerks. So go and enjoy the ball game. Don't be scared, but go in there and act, act like you got some sense. Because usually it's what happened. It's somebody who does something stupid, you know. You're going to have to put up with some, with some trash talk. You're going to have to. It's just kind of the reality of life. And there is a higher percentage of that at LSU than anywhere else. But, again, I lived there for 16 years. They never considered me one of their own, but they were my friends. And I'll tell you, when we weren't winning, I was kind of happy to see my friends happy, right? And so that aspect, that baseball is a little different, though, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm a hater when it comes to baseball. I'm, I'm still very much, uh, you know, I'm still very envious of what LSU had done because of the fact that they passed us as a baseball program. As simple as that. We dominated the SEC, and then Skip got there, and they became what we thought we should be. And, yeah, I'm a hater, man. I'm not going to lie about it. I have a lot of respect for LSU baseball, but I tell you this, I, it, it's difficult for me to get excited about anything good happening for LSU baseball. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. However, if I saw – I don't know if I, if, I, if I can honestly say that today. I don't know that I would take three or four knots in the back of my head today if I saw that. No, I'm just kidding. Of course I would. you got to do the right thing. But uh, the reality of it is is that it's going to be a great ball game. We're going to go down there and win the ball game. If we don't, I'm going to be both surprised and disappointed. So let's make sure we get behind this team. Because you win this one, you're looking at 4-0 because we'll smash Bowling Green next week. And then you got a chance to be 4-0 with Texas A&M coming to town. And that could be a very wounded Texas A&M team. Not sure what to expect, right? Reminder, as always, go to dogpilethebook.com. You get all my sports books there. You get them signed, get them personalized for, you know, maybe somebody's having a birthday or an anniversary or a graduation or a bar mitzvah, anything like that. You know, whatever you choose to celebrate, I'm happy to write it on there for you. If that's not important to you, you can just get it signed. And that's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Dogpile. And if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, of course, find it at AmazonBooksMillion.com. 
all those places. Also available as an e-reader. Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. I hope to have a pretty big announcement coming soon. I've teased this in the past, and I've kind of backed away from it. It's been a good week. Let's just say that. There have been some, some very positive developments this week. And so I may have a big announcement coming soon. I'm not going to every show talk about that. I just want to tell you, there's, there's, let me just say there are some, some things that are happening that are very exciting. Very, very exciting. And so once I can share with you, I absolutely will. I'll give you all the details when I can. But there are some pretty cool things happening. I think it's important to kind of keep you guys abreast that uh, something big could be on the horizon. All right? So we'll kind of keep that under our hats for now. And uh, we'll look forward to, uh, to getting together again on Monday and hopefully talking about a Bulldog win. And, again, I think this is about how Mississippi State plays more so than LSU. If we go out there and take care of business, we're going to be fine. If we go out there and we start, you know, playing tight, we're going to play into their hands. And I think all the pressure is on LSU. And they lose that game to Florida State. They don't want to get off to an 0-1 start in the SEC and then be 1-2. Because let's be honest, if you're an elite team, 10 games is kind of the minimum standard, right? LSU fans are thinking, we've got to go 10-2 and and get a New Year's Six somewhere. You lose this game with Alabama looming, Arkansas looming, Texas A&M, others, Tennessee. You start realizing it's going to be a more difficult year perhaps than we expected. But I don't think there's any panic at LSU at this point. But I think all the pressure this weekend is on them. I don't think that's, this is a season derailing game for us because most of us expected to lose down there. But if you win this when all of a sudden you go from perhaps the expectations of having a good season to having a great season because you're like, hey, if we can go down there and win that game, we can compete with just about anybody. And so we'll go week to week. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to run a few errands and pack a bag and head down and go see the guys in four-way stop. And then we'll be on campus at LSU tomorrow to watch the Bulldogs win a college football game. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.